Your patient's mothers continue to play a constant role in their lives no matter how old they are. What are the types of mothering styles and how does it influence our psychology? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Stephen Poulter. Dr. Poulter is a licensed clinical psychologist with a private practice in West Los Angeles. He's worked in various settings with thousands of families, parents, and children for over 30 years. His latest book, The Mother Factor, follows as a companion piece to his acclaimed book, The Father Factor, How Your Father's Legacy Impacts Your Career. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Lunt. It's great to be here. Thank you. What do you mean by mothering style? (laughs) I get asked that question probably more than any other question. Mothering style is the way that you and your mother interacted verbally, non-verbally, emotionally, how you handled anger, expressions of love, compassion, empathy, depression. It's the fabric of the mother-child relationship. There's a particular style in which your mom connected to you with. But it's more than bonding. It's beyond bonding. Bonding's a part of it, but it's wider than that. And that's why I refer to them as mothering styles. How many different styles do you see in your practice with patients? I've kind of summarized them into five in mothering styles. And we have, all of us have a piece of all five, and primarily one of the five. And let me give you the five names. And just off the top, people have a pretty good idea which one they come from. There's the perfectionistic mother, the unpredictable mother, the me-first mother, the best friend mother, and the complete mother. Each one of those five mothers has tremendous strength, with the exception of the complete mother, also some liabilities. Okay. Well, let's start off with number one, the perfectionistic. Tell us about that. That is a mother where it's all about appearance and achievement, which is outstanding for the son and daughter because they learn an excellent work ethic. But there's not much of an emotional development between the mother and the daughter or the mother and the son. It's all about, I want to say, accomplishment. You'll see this many times in the office clients where the kids complain. You know, in high school, they've taken 16 AP classes, advanced placement classes, and they didn't get into their first choice for university. You would think they failed out of high school, and they're 4.4. How might a primary care doc see this in their practice? I think what they'll see this many times is development of stress-related illnesses and panic attacks and, you know, these strong psychosomatic stomach problems or breathing because there's so much pressure to perform because performance is the supreme value in the family and the mother-daughter, mother-son relationship. And in order to be lovable, you have to be accomplished. I would think, too, things like um, eating disorders like anorexia in this group. Absolutely. It's very much on appearance, how you look. And you'll see daughters, they want their mother's approval, so they do everything they can to stay a size two. Or sons will drive themselves to the bone to get their mother's approval by being the perfect son. It's very problematic. But on the other side, it's also excellent. These are people that will always finish a task, complete something, show up for work, never be late. They've never been flaky a day in their life. So these are the people we should hire. You know something? <laughs> and they're outstanding employees. <laughs> They'll work 60 hours a week and think they're just doing a part-time job. But there's an end to their, you know, how far they can go. Now, how about the second one you mentioned was unpredictable. unpredictable. This is where the mother, very moody, growing up, and there might be an alcohol problem or drug problem, maybe an undiagnosed personality disorder. But there's a lot of emotionality in the house. There's a lot of mood swings. 
And what that does, it, it produces, and you'll see this in your practice, many times adults who are just paralyzed with anxiety, paralyzed with fear, or just convinced they have a brain tumor. Many times their background, everything in their life and their childhood growing up was unpredictable. Nothing felt safe or steady or stable or consistent. Okay, so tend to be kind of somaticizing. Yeah, a lot of somaticizing. I would think, too, maybe it sounds like a setup for obsessive-compulsive kinds of things. To Absolutely. Tr- try to... a way of compensating right. with the unpredictability. To control an uncontrollable environment. Yep. And you'll see this with, like, eight-year-olds. By age eight, you'll see this in your patients. Now, these kids are, you know, miniature adults. They worry about everything. Like, which way are we driving home? That person across the street? Make sure you pull the blinds down. I mean, they're very hypervigilant children, and they go into adult life the same way. Now, are these the kids, too, you know, every once in a while we'll have pediatric patients that are worried about more global kinds of issues. Oh, absolutely. They should not watch CNN at night. <laughs> it's not good for them or the news before they go to bed. I have clients like that. They cannot watch the news because they're going to worry about that meteor flying into the house or that, you know, there's a drought in the northwest and they live in the south where it rains, you know, 45 inches a year. Now, if you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lent, your host, and with me today is Dr. Stephen Poulter. We are discussing his book, The Mother Factor, How Your Mother's Emotional Legacy Impacts Your Life. We're currently reviewing the five different styles of mothering that we see. We've talked about the perfectionist, the unpredictable mother, and number three is the me-first mother. This is the mother that probably the child will never have a close relationship with. And you'll see this with your patients, the narcissistic mother. It's all about her. All roads lead back to mom. You may have a patient come in, they're 28 years old, and they've got this job promotion. They call their mother to tell her about that, and the conversation turns around to be about mom's lunch date. (laughs) You know, it's like everything revolves around the mother. These adults tend not to have a close relationship with their mothers because there's no room for them emotionally or mentally. They are very sensitive to people who don't pay attention to them. They know that. They grew up with it. And how do we see these in our practice? You know, I think many times that they probably don't semanticize as much. But when you'll ask them, like, did you notify your mother that you're going through a round of chemotherapy or serious operation? And like, well, I told my mom, but she was busy and she couldn't come to the hospital. Or the daughter's having her first baby. Well, is your mom going to help you with this? No, she's on a cruise. There's a real absence of nurturing or affection from the mother toward the daughter or son. Any way that as their physician we can help that or replace that? I or? think help them understand that, you know, that people have limitations and that you draw on other people in your life who can give you that kind of support. So find an alternate mother. Exactly. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay, number four, the best friend. This is the most popular style of mothering right now because this is the mother who really becomes her son's or daughter's best friend. They have more of a friendship relationship than a parent-child. And there's an absence of boundaries. And what happens is the daughter or son ends up taking emotionally, they take care of their mother. You know, it's very hard for them to leave home emotionally or physically or to move into other relationships or to move out of town because they always feel this guilt or burden to take care of their mother emotionally and mentally. 
sometimes even physically. I'm not talking about older parents who need help. I'm talking about viable, high-functioning adults. So these are the people they may, even as adults, talk to their mother five, six times a day on the phone? Yeah. And I think it's hard for them to move forward in the life because ultimately they'll still stay in a teenage rut with their mom. Because it's like, you know, you see in the media some of these mother celebrity daughters with their mothers. And it's very interesting because the mom looks like an older sister. Right, right. They dress the same. They look the same. Acts the same. Having the daughter has to take care of her mom or she acts out worse than their mother does. And how might we see this in our practice? I think extreme behavior, drug abuse, anorexia. Many times the daughter will want to change herself cosmetically, not to look like her mother, you know, as a way of trying to separate from her. A mother-daughter may both want to get a nose job or they wear similar clothes. I think you'll see it in your practice where there might be a lot of extreme behavior. Now, is this something, if we think about treating the mothers, I would think they would be a setup for an empty nest kind of syndrome when the kids do leave the house, that they'd be maybe more vulnerable to mood problems? Yeah, mood disorders. And also the message is, don't leave me. And it's very hard. The daughter may go away or son in the college for a year and then move back. Or they get down in college and immediately move back as a way of taking care of their mother. Okay, now the example we all should strive for, number five. The compassionate mentor, the complete mother. This is a mother who does it all. She's not perfect, but she helps her son and daughter find their own way. And she doesn't use her kids as an emotional support system in that her primary friends are not her children. And the complete mom helps her son and daughter to separate form their own identity, their own individuality, through helping them find what their interests are, what they want to do, help them take risk to move out into the world and do a lot. That's where we all want to move to as doctors with our patients, empower our patients to go out in the world and do what they really want to do. Any suggestions on how those patients that are still early in the mothering process can achieve this ideal? I think one of the things is to remind that mothering as sons and daughters, our job is to become separate and independent of our parents. And as parents help our kids to become separate, independent, and high-functioning, not that we're always going to have this close emotional bond like they're five years old. But if we're doing our job right, they want to go away. They want to explore the world. And we want to foster that kind of relationship with our children. We'll end up having a better relationship with them because of that. Yeah. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got when I started having kids was, from the day they're born, your job is to get your kid out of the house. <laughs> you know something, Dr. Lund, I could not have said it better. If your kids don't want to leave home, something needs to be adjusted. <laughs> and I have clients in their late 20s, mid-30s still living at home. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. Well, nowadays, yeah. too, it's so easy to blame finances. Or the economics. And, yeah, but that clearly isn't the real issue in many right. of these cases. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. It's a pleasure, and thank you for having me. We've been discussing the different types of mothering styles with psychologist and author Dr. Stephen Poulter. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com. If you register with the promo code RADIO, you'll receive six months free streaming for your home or office. If you have comments or questions or suggestions, please call us at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.